Welcome back. Game Changer Sports Talk in the street sports. All right. Here we talk about what we love, what we like, and what we would like to see. Unfiltered, raw, uncut. All right. I'm your host, D. Trent. I'm here with the bro, Arizona Owl. All right. He repping them Cardinals, repping them Suns, repping them Diamondbacks. You feel me? All the way from Phoenix. So before uh before we had to take our intermission, we was talking about our defensive front sevens. Uh, he elaborated no doubt, no doubt. on his three four scheme. Uh his front seven. You know, it has three down linemen starring uh JJ Watt. Uh and he got four linebackers. And you know, and no offense to the other two defensive tackles, um, but uh I just be looking at y'all linebackers, though. I mean, you know, I'm a guy who played linebacker, running back. I got, or I, I play every position on the front seven. I literally play every position on the front seven, right? Uh, offense and defense. So I, I understand. Um, but that linebacker core role with Marcus Golden and Chandler Jones, and then you add Isaiah Simmons, who's virtually an extra defensive back. Everything and then Zayvon Collins, who's like an athletic in in the mid, you know. So the combination, that, the linebacker room is as strong as it's ever been, and it's lethal. Just plain and simple, it's lethal. Isaiah Simmons took reps this off season, uh, excuse me, this preseason at inside linebacker, outside linebacker, safety, and cornerback. And I expect Vance to deploy him in certain packages this year in his second year now that he's had a chance to get a taste of NFL game speed. Okay. But as nice as your front seven is, all right, and we do play y'all, we going to get into that too. Oh, that's a rematch for the ages. That's a rematch for the ages. That game might be flexed to primetime. Oh, 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 it's going prime time. Oh, ain't no mystery. Because I expect y'all to be somewhere around five more. We're gonna get into that too though. Ooh, right. That's a that's a bold take, but I can like it. I can appreciate it. I'm saying, bro. You just talked about an offense. Who you guarding? You could say, okay, Arizona. We're going to take away your pass. We're going to dare you to run. And then they're going to run Kyler and Chase and James at you. Of course. You know what I'm saying? Like, anytime that you have multiple weapons to deploy out your backfield, you're going to be effective because you have multiple. Now, how they effective they can be depends on your scheme. You know, we haven't really gotten into schemes all like that per se, but you know, I you know, y'all y'all could do some things. So as I was saying, you know, before we took the intermission, um, you know, my front seven, uh Storm Miles Garrett, uh, you know, Texas AM number one overall pick. No. Yeah, Texas AM, right? Yeah, it makes Texas. Yes, that's correct. That's correct. You know, SEC. He he was like one of their first stars from them joining the SEC too. All right. Uh, definitely the biggest right now, for sure. Um, but he plays our uh, right end. Uh, he's basically our sack getter, all right? Uh, our defense, as I was saying, a four-two-five. I mean, he's pretty darn good at that. So, you know, that's probably a smart, smart role for him, you know? I mean, you know, our job – I mean, he could tackle and he could – you know, he probably ain't the best on run defense, but he could definitely – but you play guys to play today's strengths, bro. I mean, if they can evolve, you let them evolve. But that's what the other 10 guys is for. All right? Of course. Um, so we have Miles Garrett. Uh, he's, you know, undoubtedly, most likely, potentially a defensive player of the year player or soon to be or at least candidate for sure. Um, and he, now last year, all right, he had a supporting cast of Larry Ogunjobi, um, mm-hmm. Sheldon Richardson, and uh, Olivier Vernon, who only played, like, the back half of the season. 
But right. he like fell into nine sacks. Like Olivier Vernon wasn't just he ain't just get nine sacks because oh Olivier Vernon was out here beasting. No. Miles Garrett be taking like three offensive linemen. He take your whole side to block him. And it, I mean, how can bro, if it's two, maybe three linemen left to block. Two, three line like I don't understand how you couldn't get more than nine sacks. But Olivier Vernon fell in the nine sacks. Uh, Sheldon Richardson had about three um, or four. Ogunjobi had about two, I think, two or three. Um, but, you know, that type of production is not going to cut it when you have a sack getter and a backfield disruptor. You know, a quarterback net just bugging the fuck out you. Bugging the fuck out you. You know what I'm saying? For, like, 35, 40 minutes of a game, possibly. But with a guy like that, your defense shouldn't even see the field 30 minutes of the game, all right? So True. we had to revamp this front seven, all right? We got Andrew Billings here. Now, Andrew Billings is a guy from Cincinnati. He's young, but he's a big body. You know, when you think of a Pat Williams uh, or a, Kelvin, a Kevin Williams or a – you know, uh, Tony Saragusa, you think of Andrew Billings. He's just a little more, you know, even Albert Hainsworth-ish, not as athletic, but just in the field. And, you know, you know, so he could really clog it up. Um, he was out of football shape when he came back from mandatory training camps. And, you know, by the time he came to training camp, though, he looked a lot better. Um, I think he just needs his football legs under him. Uh, but we, we need him. You know, he's like a new draft. He's like a new acquisition, even though we got him last year. But he set out COVID reasons, new kid. Understandable, right? Right. Um, he first, will be a company. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? But he's going to be accompanied uh, by Malik Jackson. We know Malik Jackson. I mean, your defensive coordinator know Malik Jackson. He had him when he won his Super Bowl, okay? I got to highlight. You gave a Super Bowl defensive coordinator four linebackers. I'm so fucking mad, y'all. got all the linebackers over there. Cop fucking damn it. All right, but look, though, that's a whole nother conversation, all right? So uh, I'm going to smile about it. But, um, you know, we have Malik Jackson, uh, who's really like a – you know, he's just at that point in career where, you know, a, a, a bigger defensive lineman, a defensive end can transition to defensive tackle due to his, you know, status and, you know, just how the skills depreciate a little bit. But he's still a right. four, um, especially for the guy that we actually got to actually be the co-star on the line. Now, a lot of people – don't like this guy, okay? And having Malik Jackson really helps because, you know, one thing we needed is maturity on his defense. And Malik Jackson brings a lot of maturity. He, uh, We got him from Philly, though. Even though he started in Denver, he went to Philly. Um, we've had uh, – we get him from Philly, an older guy, 30 years old. But he's still – you know, he's still young enough to real give you something, all right? Um, but the guy that's going to play next to him, the guy – now, Malik is on a one-year deal. I have to stress this. Malik is on a one-year deal, a one-year $5 million. Uh, Andrew Billings is on a one-year deal, uh, like one one year, three and a half million, maybe $4 million, four and a half million, something like that, maybe. Okay. And then we have this guy who everybody loves to say, oh, he don't get sex. Oh, he don't get sex. Oh, oh, I know what this is going. You, you talk, you're talking about uh, you talking about a former t teammate of one JJ Watt, one former number one overall pick. A, a former, a former teammate of one JJ Watt. Okay, um, where my lighter at? This guy, okay, eighth year in the league. You know, that put him at about what twenty nine. Uh. Didn't play well. He played last year a little bit, 
Um, didn't really put up a lot of numbers. He played games, 19 tackles, you know, four and a half, uh, four and a half. I was rather unimpressed. Playing with the yeah. Seattle Seahawks with a pedigree from the Legion of Boom, I was rather unimpressed with the man's production as it stood last year. At the same token, though, that ain't the Legion of Boom he was playing with. So we're not just going to throw them in there for dramatic effect. You know what I'm saying? We not gonna act, not count the fact that that Seattle defense has diminished severely since the fiasco with uh, Earl Thomas the third. But we'll talk about that on another day. So, uh, uh, Jadavian comes over here as the complement defensive end. What people don't know is that our coach, our defensive coordinator is a Super Bowl coach, too. Now, he hasn't won one. I don't believe he's won one, but he's been, all right? And he's been a big leader and a big intricate part of a defense going to the Super Bowl, being that he's, you know, prided or uh, labeled as a defensive backs guru uh, or potential of. So uh, last year, he didn't really have defensive backs like that. But the point I'm bringing him up right now was with Jadavian Clowney is that he built this defense of scheme around Jadavian Clowney's skill set specifically, all right? Him having Miles when he got here was a plus. This is why they've been so active and been trying to get Jadavian for a couple years now. People think Jadavian is over here to compliment a sack getter to get other sacks. That's not how that's working. If that was the case, we wouldn't have got Malik Jackson. Understand Malik Jackson is a pass-rushing run-stopper, okay? Understand, pass-rushing run-stopper. So he's most likely to get you a sack, but he can stop a ball carrier in his tracks or at least slow him up to get a guy down, which is what you need to compliment a Miles Garrett. But Jadavian right. Clowney is a run stopper, savant when healthy. All right, who could play any more defensive tackle? So he's only on a one year, ten million dollar deal, bro. Understand how I emphasize? But Andrew Billings on a one year deal, Malik Jackson on a one year deal because if Jadavian plays like the run stopper, we need him to. He's ultimately the defensive tackle. And now we can build around that in Miles. Okay. Because he can be the pass rushing run stop. But we got to see how it's going to work out, which includes why we also have Tack McKinley, a former first round pick. Blake Brown. And there's the underrated name I was waiting to hear. That's the name I'm trying to see something out of this year with this team. Jadavian. Jadavian gonna have to do something for me. My book is out and it's been out on Jadavian. I, I don't I don't think very highly of the play. I mean, not said I don't think highly. I think highly of any player that's in the NFL because you're in the NFL. Okay, I'm not that type of person. I'm not that type of hater. But I'm I have been firmly entrenched in the Jadavian has not met his potential camp. So that's that. He's going to have to show me something. Now, this Tack McKinley signing that y'all did is probably one of the more under-the-radar signings of y'all offseason. And I think it could pay the most dividends. Now, what do you think? Here we go. Again, Tack McKinley's on a one-year, one four-million-dollar deal. All right. He that's, has darn that's darn good for a pass rusher. He has something to prove, and so just Jadavian Clowney has something to prove. Right. If both of those two work out, Malik Jackson, Billings come off the books. A couple other guys come off the books, plus the cap expands. So now we virtually have Billings. I mean, not Billings. Uh, Jadavian, Miles, and Tack. And we'll probably get them like three, three years, you know. Jadavian might could get four or five if he played exceptionally well. And he can conceivably get around ninety million. It wouldn't even be out the realm. And because he'll get a certain guarantee that everything else will be performance based, it won't really bog down the cap. Um, I could actually see Tack if he played well coming out with at least forty. 
you know what I'm saying, over a three-year span, you know what I'm saying, and that will, but that's futuristic talk. For right now, though, we have those guys right now, and then you add our fourth-round pick from Ohio State, Tommy Togia, um, who's ultimately mm. probably going to be the guy right. that replaced uh, Andrew uh, Billings. But we also have a guy that we picked in last year's draft in the fourth round, uh, Jordan Elliott out of Washington. And when I tell you, at the beginning of the training camp and throughout the beginning of the preseason, like the first game, I was iffy on Elliott. I okay. thought he might have on the bubble. Bro, he played in that last game against the Falcons. They brought him in. When I tell you, his presence was felt very first play. He blows up the guard, blows up the back and the quarterback. Next play, they try to run it. He blows it all up again, bro. He was a force to be reckoned with. He showed power. He showed finesse. He showed technique. He showed football awareness. He showed improvement. All right? And, again, I'll highlight when I was talking earlier, you know, Chris Kiffin, Marty Kiffin's son. We all know Marty Kiffin, you know. Um, but uh, so I like him. We also have um, Malik McDowell, man. Now, Malik McDowell. Forgot about McDowell. Who was out of the league, um, been out of the league for the last four years, former second-round pick. Uh, Used to play for the Seattle Seahawks. Made his presence felt in one year, uh, formerly from Michigan State. But, um, you know, he's coming back. He has something to prove. Uh, He's been playing and practicing and showing like a guy appreciative of the opportunity to still play in the NFL. A guy who, you know, did time and things like that. Um, But he is a guy who is making his presence felt. And he is going to play a tweener between uh, uh, defensive tackle and defensive uh, end for how we're going to run this uh, front four. Uh, Also, on the back of defensive end side, we have a guy named Joe Jackson. Uh, been in the cut league a couple of years, uh, former Miami U player. Uh, so, you know, anything about Miami U players, they are extremely athletic and they're usually extremely fast and they usually have either nice strength or the ability to get very strong. Um, Certain intensity in their play style. Uh, so uh, this guy has really shown 6'4", 278, uh, really a guy who will play inside and out. And, you know, that's what we needed on this defensive line. We need depth and we need versatile guys and guys who can specifically just play run stopper solely because of the type of things you can do with with Miles and Jadavion. Now, when we get to the linebacking core, this, you know, this is the weakest part of our team. Okay. But it's not weak. It's just the weakest part of our team. And and that's debatable due to health. I mean, health is the name of the game. You know, football or physical sport. You already know, you know, linebackers got to take some of the most beatings because they play in the trenches and in the open field. Uh, and in this 4-2-5 that uh, Joe Woods is running for the Browns, he needs a linebacker who can stop the run and play sideline to sideline and a linebacker who can cover. Um, so in the second round this year. Oh, so, so it sounds to me like you need a Zayvon Collins and an Isaiah Simmons. Is that? No, is that well, well I mean, I mean, we could have, we used to need a guy like that. Um, but, you know, we have a guy named Jeremiah. He is from Notre Dame, a linebacker, a phenomenon. Uh, This guy is a linebacker slash strong safety slash nickel defensive back. Slash. Like six. Like he could, but listen, he can play linebacker. 
Like, he wouldn't be effective to you as a strong safety the way he is as a linebacker because he is so fast and he is deceptively strong and athletic. He is a missile, literally a heat-seeking missile. Everybody loves a heat-seeking missile. And then when you add Anthony Walker Jr., a guy that we acquired uh, on a one-year deal uh, from Indianapolis Colts, um, he's basically a coach on the field. Um, still a young guy, 25, uh, but if he performs well or outperforms what B.J. Goodson gave us last year, uh, he's a guy who can earn uh, you know, a multi-year deal as well. Uh, those two guys are accompanied by uh, former late-round pick Mac Wilson, a guy out of Alabama who was the leader of that defense at one time. Uh, he battled some injuries last year, uh, but this year he's fully healthy and he's arguably and maybe undoubtedly been the defensive star of our training camp. Uh, so he's going to play. He's a little nicked up right now, but I think I don't really think he nicked up. I just think that, you know, the Browns playing is safe. You know, we need everybody for Kansas City, which is our opening game, and Kansas City ain't gonna come to play. You know what I'm saying? They gonna come to make try to make a statement. Uh, we gonna be ready. That's a, that's an opener challenge right there. Um, that's a fact. So we also follow up with Sione Takitaki. Um, actually, Sione Takitaki was like a top 15 rated run stopper last year, uh, according to PFF. Okay, um, but he's a young guy who really, uh, uh, really has. Is emerged. Um, I like him and Matt Wilson, uh, Mac Wilson, uh, because both of them can either start or play special teams, but they're still young and growing, so they haven't even reached their max, max potential yet at 25 and 26, respectively. Um, we also have a guy, uh, Malcolm Smith, veteran guy, former Super Bowl MVP with the Seahawks and all that, and uh, he uh. You know, he's been a good guy for us. He played very well for us last year as a coverage linebacker who could tackle. Uh, he's been a good mentor. I could see him uh, elevating at some point to be a linebacker's coach, whether it be for us or somebody else. But right now, he's still good playing um, and good contributing. Uh, we also have a guy in Tony Fields, the third, a guy who was at West Virginia, played at uh, Arizona State, actually, too. Uh, now, uh, he is going to be a depth piece for us. Uh, I believe he's on the IR for now. I got to recheck that. Uh, he did have some injury concerns coming in with his foot and mandatory mini caps, uh, but he came back and played in the last preseason game. It was for, looked fairly decent, uh, but you didn't really get to see a lot of extended time. Uh, but if, you know, if not, you know, we got some guys, you know, on the private squad we can bring up. There ain't going to be no problem. As far as our front the seven, the squad flex options this year give uh, give teams a lot of flexibility. I'm glad that they decided to keep that even after the COVID year, so you can flex uh, up to three players off your roster at any given week, or off the practice squad on your roster at any given week. I think that gives teams a lot of flexibility, and I think that might be something that might even be a permanent fixture in the NFL, given the how injuries they happen, like they just happen. They're part of the game. And uh, I think it's something that gives teams a lot of flexibility. So I'm really excited about that, that they've uh, continued that program here. And I like the fact, you know, I like the fact. Now, understand, you know, if you watch it, you know, we, we still in the segment of who we talking about. All right. You know, we talking about our Cleveland Browns, who me, you know, Dog Pound representing, you know what I'm saying, and these Arizona Cardinals, all right, AFC North and NFC West, respectively. All right. and um. You know, we just breaking down the 53-man roster cuts, uh, you know, who is on our team, why they on our team, you know, things like that when it comes to, you know, our offenses and what we did. You can catch the first video. It's already shared, YouTube, uh, Facebook, industry, sports, uh, you know. And also you'll see our social media strolling down on the bottom. Um, you can also, uh, you know, make sure you follow us and all that. But uh, you can catch the first video when we talk about the offense and just the offensive players and who's on them. Um, now we're talking about the defense. Uh, you know, Arizona Al, he's went over his front seven in his 3-4. Oz went over our front seven in our 4-2-5. Uh, now we get on these secondaries, man. You know, you got a nice guy, your secondary, um, uh, Buda Baker. Uh, 
you know, I, I don't mean to take that from you, you feel me? I like Buddha though, man. I, I'm giving you mad shots as Buddha as a safety. I love Buddha, bro. All right. I mean, it, it's it's hard not to love Buddha Baker, man. Formerly number 32, now number three. He just changed his number this year. Uh, he's one of the top safeties in the NFL, bro, okay? And I know the interception numbers aren't there. I know that's one of the things everybody want to talk about. He don't get no interceptions. He don't get no interceptions. He is a tackling machine. That's a secondary that has been a little bit on the hesitant side to tackle in the past three to five years. That's a constant in my back, in my defensive backfield is Buda Baker. Somebody who's going to lay the wood down when it's necessary and get that play stopped when it's good. That being said, as I've said before, and I brought this up in our in our previous video, the secondary is thin this year. Now, I know you speak on your linebacker core as being the weak link of your roster, but it's not weak. But it's not that weak. Well, I'll put it out there that as it stands right now, the secondary of the Arizona Cardinals is the weak link of the roster, specifically the cornerback room, and it is a legitimate weakness. This is something that is exploitable. For the Arizona Cardinals as it stands, as I mentioned, as I mentioned at the beginning of my defensive segment, obviously we have uh, Robert Alford uh, is going to be the starting cornerback here for the Arizona Cardinals this year after Malcolm Butler's quick and recent retirement. Uh, Robert Alford has not played a game since 2018. Opposite him on the other side, we will have Marco Wilson, a fourth-round rookie out of the University of Florida. In his last collegiate year, he put up 12 pass breakups, four interceptions, and three forced fumbles. Uh, one of those went for a score, uh, in addition to uh, Byron Murphy in the slot. Now, in at safety, we have... Obviously, Buda Baker, one of the one of the best. We're gonna follow that up with the Thompson twins, Jalen and uh, excuse me, Jalen and Marshall. And then finally, round that off with what I expected after a strong preseason showing was going to be Charles Washington, but that ended up being incorrect as he was cut. And the final safety in the room is, oh, excuse me, is in fact Charles Washington. So there we go. I was correct. Okay. So he did okay. end up making the roster. Looks to me that that means that Chris Banjo, who was the other safety that was having an excellent preseason with us and also had a, a, a starter for us in the last two seasons, was cut, although it does appear that he made the practice squad. So that's good news. So the safety position is very, very strong. Obviously, you have Buda Baker leading the way with Charles and uh, with Charles Washington, and then the Thompson twins, both of whom are in their third year, respectively, uh, and they've been playing behind Buda the entire time. So uh, expect good things from them. Solid rotation there. Obviously, uh, the cornerback room is thin and uh, young. Fairly inexperienced, obviously behind Byron Murphy and Robert, Robert Alford. I mentioned Marco Wilson. And we also have Tay Gowan, who was a sixth-round rookie for us this year. And a young player by the name of Luke Barku, who we picked up off the Jacksonville practice squad last week. Okay. So the secondary is, uh, is the exploitable element of this team. That being said, I spoke on the quality depth and the certain versatility of the front seven, which is going to allow the defense to thrive and hopefully take the pressure off of this young and inexperienced secondary and allow the defense to come up with stops. So long and short of it, the defense for the Arizona Cardinals, most specifically the front seven, has to thrive this year, plain and simple. Okay. Okay. So – over here in these Cleveland Browns, man, our secondary is healthy. If playing up to potential, could arguably be top. I'm going to go top eight. Okay. Top eight. I think it could go top five. But I'm going to just say top eight. And I'm going to say top five because it's a 17-game season. All right? 
But our secondary play is outstanding. Now, as I said before, we went 10 defensive backs. All right. Mm-hmm. We went six in the cornerback room and four in the safety room. Now, as I was saying, in our 4-2-5, all right, you play five defensive backs. So having 10 defensive backs does sound adequate, being that you need a backup for each start. All right. Right. Now, again, with this front office and these free agent acquisitions, man, and their drafting, right? First round pick, number four overall, inherited, this regime inherited came out right behind Baker Mayfield, Denzel Ward, uh, young rising superstar in this league, about to be up for a contract extension. Don't worry, he gonna get his money. He ain't leaving Cleveland. Don't even worry about that. I right? that's why they was just letting him chill out so he'd be ready for the first game of the season and probably somewhere around week six, five, six. You will hear that news pop. But whatever the case, uh, one of the top corners in the league right now, bar none. You know what I'm saying, bar none. All right, now. Who is his running mates? All right. We have one LSU guy. All right. That's why I say we must be LS after you. All right. So we have Greedy Williams. All right. Greedy. Oh, Greedy. That's the name that makes me jealous. Greedy was out last year. He had nerve damage that basically left him with no feeling in his shoulder. So they had to, he had to heal. You know, they thought it was one thing, but it wasn't when they finally found it out. You know, they shut him down for the season. He he could have probably returned uh, in the playoffs. But, you know, I think this front office has done a good job of putting players' health first in the game second. Um, you know, as long as he's available, he could play. But the, the thing is to make sure he's available. Uh, he's been fairly healthy. Well, he's been really healthy the whole offseason. Um, they've just been precautious with him. So, ain't nothing wrong with that. Um, he will be joined by Troy Hill playing Nickelback. Mm, okay, Troy Hill. Troy Hill, I think uh, Arizona Al will be very familiar with him, being that he came over from a Rams defense, who last yeah. year was number one. Um. He is a guy who is going to basically lock down your slot, if not agitate him to the point where somebody else can help and make a play. Um, I'm good at agitation, let me tell you. He is also an Ohio native, so he is coming home. Uh, he got a four-year deal for about $24 million. He'll be here for a minute. Uh, we also drafted, with our number one pick this year, Greg Newsom II out of the Big Ten Northwestern, a yep. guy who only played nine games last year but did not allow a catch on third or fourth down. And I think he only allowed nine completed passes the whole season. Um, nine completed passes in nine games, that means he's shutting down your receiver to the tune of one pass, one reception per game. Sounds mighty nice to me. And he's only 20 years old. So we have him locked up uh, for the next five. Uh, And also they'll be joined by one MJ Stewart, a former second-round pick, uh, a guy who really played made plays for us last year, especially uh, in the back end of the season. I I thought he was going to find a way to stay on the team and – one another reason why we was able to let uh, Seldrick Redwine go is because he's playing a dual role of cornerback uh, and safety. Uh, we also have a guy, A.J. Green, that we picked up undrafted last year from Oklahoma State, uh, 6'2 guy. Uh, really can – I think I think he could play corner and safety, but he's definitely a big outside guy. Uh, so, you know, having him greedy and Greg – gives us a lot of length to play against big receivers and options to play against big receivers. Uh, and then Troy Hill and Denzel Ward with MJ Stewart, you know, 5'10", 5'11", guys, 6'0", guys, who are going to check the shorter receivers, nifty, you know, so that gives us a lot of versatility. And it's 4'2", where we're basically looking to attack and play matchup. Uh, this safety room, okay, <laughs> So, 
This safety room features John Johnson the third. Oh, a guy another tear for the Arizona Cardinals. Rated the best safety in the league last year. Uh, he's only 25. We got him on a three-year, $33 million deal. So he's going to be here for a minute. All right. We're going to pair him up with one Ronnie Harrison Jr., a guy mm. that we traded for from the uh, Jaguars in, like, week three last year. Um, played really good for us last year. Had a little bit of uh, injury concerns, hamstrings, things like that. Wasn't nothing too crazy. Um, but he's been fully healthy this year. Uh, we're going to follow that up with one Grant Delpit, uh, a guy we got in the second round last year, uh, but went down with a bad Achilles injury in training camp. Uh, but he's had time to heal. He was held out from a quote-unquote hamstring injury. Um, but I think they just preserving him being cautious. You know, Achilles injury is a big injury. It's, it's a lot mental too. So you want to make sure a guy's fully ready to play. And, you know, holding him out for a year plus and letting him condition and build his body up uh, and then allowing him to, you know, come out and play in a big game or even if they want to, like, kind of dress him but use him sparely in the first game and let him play in the second game. However the case, though, he provides a lot of versatility, a guy who could play safety, who could play a little linebacker and um, uh, slot corner or even outside because he has that type of natural ability and, and talents. Uh, mm-hmm. guy. Uh, so, and then we also have one Richard LeCount, a guy who I elaborated on earlier. So that is our uh, 10 uh, player um, defensive back room. Uh, like I say before, man, I, I believe these guys go top eight. Um, one, part, one thing people need to know, uh, you know, guys going to play special teams. You know, most guys on defense is probably going to play special teams, in my opinion. Uh, Malik McDowell, uh, uh, Tony Fields, Sione Takitaki, or Mac Wilson, depending on, you know, how the depth go. Uh, Richard LeCount, A.J. Green, M.J. Stewart, you know, guys like that. Uh, you might get an offensive lineman or two on there. Uh, and all of these guys could fill in and play, you know, stop in, start a minutes, if not start for a series of games if need to be. So I feel like, you know, when they say the Browns have the deepest and uh, – uh, pro- arguably the most talented roster in the league. You know, I, I am so with that. Um, and, you know, in saying that, let's get into predictions for the season, uh, you know, a little bit of predictions for the uh, divisions, and then we're going to break into these stat gods and these game changers of the season. All right, game changers of the season it's just going to be guys who we feel like might put up certain numbers, could put up certain numbers. You know, we may throw some stats out there. We may not. Um, but stat gods, we going to definitely throw some stats out there for sure. We might just merge them for real, for real. So when it comes to your Arizona Cardinals, my guy, all right, where do you see them ultimately ending the season as record uh, in the 17-game season? Uh, how far do you think they can go in these playoffs? Uh, who will be the guys that you think will most contribute to winning on your team? And who going to be the offensive, defensive stat leaders on your team? All right, well, that's a lot to break down, my man. So I'm going to start with a bit of a two-pronged approach to my answer here. And so far as to say that my main prediction for the Arizona Cardinals as it stands this year is an 11-6 and record for a 17-game season good for the fifth seed in the NFC. Now, I say that with a certain, I don't like to put asterisks by my information, but I kind of have to say that this year because the way that the Cardinals and the San Francisco 49ers are constructed as it stands right here could make for a very, very interesting season in the NFC West. Reason being is because, obviously, I think the Rams are the favorite, and I expect the Rams to be the two-seed in the NFC behind the Buccaneers and take the West this year behind Matthew Stafford's arm and Sean McVay's continued quality coaching acumen. In my opinion, Sean McVay is the best coach in the NFC West. I don't really think that there's an argument there at the moment, even though he doesn't always necessarily have the best team in the NFC West, and that's fair respect to the Seattle Seahawks. He has been by far and away the best coach in the division since his arrival. 
and has been very difficult on the Arizona Cardinals, who are 0-8 against the L.A. Rams since Sean McVay's arrival. So trust unknown. Because I like the Cardinals and the continuity of Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, and Chase Edmonds, I have them listed as 11 and 6 for the number 2 seed or for the second place in the NFC West and the fifth seed overall in the NFC. Now that being said, I could easily see a scenario where the San Francisco 49ers finish with the exact same record and we finish with a 10 and 7 and we flip. Us being the 3 seed in the NFC West and that would amount to probably a 6 or a 7 seed in the NFC total. And then uh, the San Francisco 49ers taking the five seed with 11 and six. I think a lot of the San Francisco 49ers success hinges strongly on Jimmy Garoppolo, not Trey Lance. Point of fact is Jimmy Garoppolo is under contract for two more years. And the San Francisco 49ers brass has made it abundantly clear that he is their week one starter and he is the veteran starter, which tells me you've been in this business long enough to know Jimmy is the starter until he's not good enough to be it anymore. Now that also tells me that Mr. Garoppolo is on a very, very short leash. The length of the leash depends on his success. And if they pull him quick, then I do not see the San Francisco 49ers, even with the easiest strength of schedule in the division, I do not see them winning more than 10 games with Trey Lance at the helm. But with Jimmy Garoppolo, you could see them you could see them winning 11 more or more. Because continuity matters to me. That's highly understandable. Okay. So this again. is also uh I am so, a Go ahead. No, you go ahead first, bro. But I was about to say, man, you don't got no love for Seattle. Uh. <laughs> well, no, listen, listen, listen. Now, I, I, I'm I, I'm sure most people would consider it a hot take for me to have Seattle finishing fourth when they have yet to do so in the Pete Carroll era. Uh, and that's fair. I am going off the fact that they have – they have the second most difficult strength of schedule in the NFC West, but it is it is almost identical to that of the LA Rams, who have the most difficult schedule. I consider this to be a down year for the Seattle Seahawks, which still, for me, has them at 8-9 and nine for the season and finishing fourth place. I expect a lot of these games to be close. I expect a lot of their losses to be close. And the reason that I say this is because Seattle's depth has been tested and tested and tested and tested over the course of the last four years, and they've gotten thinner and thinner at certain position groups to the point that their pass rush was so ineffective last year that they were lining Jamal Adams up at pass rusher in order to generate some semblance of sacks. I know that the Seattle Seahawks are excellent at patching holes and making things work. I am aware that Russell Wilson is still one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL today. And as long as Russell Wilson is healthy and starting for the Seattle Seahawks, they are going to win games. I just believe that this is the year where all, where there's too many holes to patch and it finally catches up to them. I, so my next, my follow question to that is, is there a scenario where you could see the Cardinals finish either first in the division or last in the division. I cannot see a, I, I cannot see a scenario in which we finish first place. I can easily, easily, given that we have, well, we have the second easiest strength of schedule in the in the division, but we're all clustered together in terms of strength, all four teams. So there's not a lot of vary. The real variance is the 49ers compared to the rest of us. They are really have a much easier strength of schedule comparatively to the rest of the division. A lot of people was that's why they're giving the Niners the edge in the division this year. Uh, 
given our strength of schedule, given my well, I'm not haven't covered it here. My typical outspoken uh, opinions on Cliff Kingsbury. Yes, I could easily see a scenario in which we finish last in the division on a similar on a similar trajectory, an eight and nine or a seven and ten. Okay, I um, let me. Let me end that statement before you get started by saying that a fourth uh, a fourth place finish and one lot one win less than last year because we went we ended up finishing eight and eight last year. A fourth place finish and seven wins is a disaster scenario for the Arizona Cardinals, and that should require a house cleaning if that were to occur. But you don't see that highly being like. I don't because I think the talent on the roster is too deep for us to allow. I think the talent on the roster is too deep. I think the competitive nature of the stars on the roster is too strong to allow us to lose more games than we did last year. Um, I like that analysis, man. I appreciate the breakdown. Definitely appreciate you bringing that, showing our viewers, you know, what's going on in Arizona. I don't think a lot of people be able to do that, and a lot of people don't go out their way to highlight the things about Arizona that need to be highlighted, all right? So Shout out to Nate Burleson on the NFL Network and, uh, and ESPN. He does an excellent job of covering Cardinals-related such items, okay. but he's probably one of the only national media guys that does, so just want to make sure I'll give a shout to him. He's always on one. Um, I will say um, a few things in response to your division. Uh and my personal, this is my personal take um, off the analysis and just what I know. Um, it seems like whoever can play play action pass has the best chance um, of winning the division from an offensive standpoint. On the defensive side, whoever can create the most turnovers because – I mean, you could argue the Rams got the best defense, but we got two of their most important pieces, so I don't know how that's going to work. Um, on top of that, uh, I mean, they got Donald and Ramsey, bro, so they always, you know what I'm saying? Like, that goes without saying. But, but, but losing two key safeties when pass rush is such a key component of their defense in what it is, it's a fair suggestion to think that the Rams defense might take a step back this year. You know what I'm saying? And then, you know, y'all got a young up-and-coming defense. Uh, I don't even know if Seattle has a defense. I ain't going to even hold you. Um, and then, This is where I speak on their patches and the holes. They they have a handful of stars on defense. Obviously, they have Jamal Adams. Uh, Shaquem Griffin is developing into a very, very good cover cornerback. Obviously, Bobby Wagner's the final remaining star. Wait, 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 wait. They got, uh, they got the other brother because the one brother went to uh, Jacksonville, right? Yes, it's, uh, it's Shaquille. I, or, or, wait, yeah, okay, wait, okay, okay. Yeah. I wanted to be sure they brought him back, though, so that's what's up. Yes, so okay. Shaquille Griffin is the one in Seattle. Shaquem is the one in Jacksonville. Shaquille is rounding out into a very, very talented cover corner, and obviously you still have Bobby Wagner uh, rounding out the linebacker core, the last remaining stalwart from the Legion of Boom. Um, starting to lose a step in the speed as he's been. He's not exactly the sideline to sideline roamer that he used to be, but with the lack of – uh, with the lack of athleticism in the past few years, obviously comes the leadership, the command of the defense. He's the on-field general, really, in the space that Earl Thomas left. And uh, I think him and Jamal pair well together. But outside of those three, you have a lot of untested young players and veterans who failed to latch on in other places that they've taken chances on. And after a while, it starts to wear on what you're capable of. No, that's a fact. I like that. I like the way you articulate and break the game down. All right? You know what I'm saying? You know, I'm a you know what I'm saying? You know, I, you know, I'm a little gutter with it, all right? You know, I can articulate when I need to, but, you know, you bring a consistency, and I can appreciate that. Um, so, you know, I, I like that breakdown of the West. Um, my only other questions would be, who do you think on your team um, is the – will be 
you know, what were we doing? What Kyler Murray doing on the, in the passing game? All right. And, you know, who bringing – what's going to be the sack rate of your defense? What's, what's going to be the sack numbers of your defense? Because that's really the most important, your passing game over there and your defense and your, uh, and your, uh, and your sack ability. Absolutely. So uh, we're talking about the offensive passing game. Uh, Kyler's been really, really solid uh, in his first two years, solid and consistent in terms of his production. So at this point, I really only expect that to continue in an upward trend, as has been the case with pretty much every every good first round quarterback in the past few years. So last year, he threw for just shy of 4,000 passing yards and had 26 total touchdowns to 12 interceptions. So considering an upward trajectory, I see no reason that Kyler Murray shouldn't throw for 4,000 at bare minimum. But I think it's the running that's going to create the edge for the offense, even more so than his passing acumen. So I'm thinking probably about 4,200 yards through the air, with about 12 touchdowns, 13 touchdowns, but I'm expecting at least a dozen touchdowns on the ground for him. I really think that he is going to utilize his scamper ability to be that, that X factor running piece in the offense, similar to how Lamar Jackson is utilized in Baltimore. And I think that's going to probably net him an increase in his rushing yards. So what D hop and AJ doing? Hop is probably going to go for about six to eight hundred receiving yards, and I would say about five to six, five to eight touchdowns because he's going to be the dude who's clamped up all the time, and he's going to be the one that they're going to be looking for on defense to hunt to make sure that he's not going to eat, which is going to leave A.J. Green open to eat. And eat well, I do believe he shall. I'm looking at A.J. Green to maybe – he's not going to quite scratch 1,000 yards as the second option on a high-octane offense. But I'm expecting 675 to maybe 750 yards with 8 to 10 touchdowns for A.J. Green and talk on comeback player of the year status for the man. Right. I really think he's going to be a crucial part of this offense. I really think people are sleeping hold on this game. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on. D-Hop, you being disrespectful. Now, if you'd have said, like, 1,100, I'd have gave you that. Because you can't, in my opinion, you can't say Kyler going to throw for 42 and then say they own go for less than a dollar. Who getting the other 2,000 yards? Rondell Moore? And Chase Edmonds. And Christian Kirk? And Christian Kirk, yes. So you saying you owe, you owe your receiver? No, because, yes, that. because, listen, that's where I'm going with it. Because, listen, Cliff Kingsbury finally has four solid receivers to run his 10 sets, actually be able to run his 10 sets. He's got four receivers that are lethal at any point on the field that he can put out there at the same time with Hopkins, Green, Moore, and Kirk. Now when you have a Go ahead. Now when you have an X Factor running back like Chase Edmonds, who's always been better in the passing game than the running game, now leading the backfield. You're talking about a, a, a running back who's probably going to have more receiving yards than actual yards on the ground because Connor's going to be used for those ground yards in the short game. Your third and short, your fourth and one, your goal line situations. We're not going to necessarily be going to Chase for them. So because of that, you're going to take them chunk yardages away from Chase, and he's always been a more core component of the passing game. And Kyler has great rapport with him in that regard too. And for all the things that Cliff loved to do, you know he loved his screens. The two players that execute the screens and the jet sweeps on this team that Cliff Kingsbury loved to do are Christian Kirk and Chase Edmonds. These two gentlemen right here are my X factors for this offense in order to thrive. Now, okay, I might have been a little bit – I said under 1,000 for D-Hop, and, he's ne- and I don't think he's ever done under 1,000. So maybe that was a, a, a touch excessive and a bit no, of a brain. No, I said you just said 11, man. 
All right, I would have gave D Hop. Like, I still, even two people can't guard him, bro. D Hop in this offensive, Kyler going to throw for 14, for four, uh, 4,200. Uh, D Hop going to have to be flirting with 1,500. Because he got AJ Green, uh, him, you know, flirting with, you know, 12, 14 touchdowns, that ain't unrealistic to me. AJ Green coming back on a bounce back year doing anything from 11 to 8 to 10 touchdowns. I thought 8 to 10 touchdowns was a great assessment. Um, but uh, I, I got to give him at least a rack to 11. You know what I'm saying? But I'm I'm a, I'm giving D-Hop the range of uh, 11 to 14, and I'm going to give uh, A.J. Green uh, – I'm going to give him the, the uh, a rack to 1,200. Uh, but I'm definitely giving both of them the ability to get double-digit touchdowns. I I think Christian uh, Kirk will be used more, but I think Rondell Moore will give you more touchdowns in the return game, which I think is really the X factor piece too for y'all. I do like the uh, Christian Kirk and uh, Chase Edmond piece because I think if both of them thrive, it makes the other two even more unguardable, and that makes a lot of sense. Um, I think Edmonds and Kirk are both capable of 800 yards receiving this year easily. You know what I'm saying? So if you're saying it's going to be spread it around, um, you know, it's not unrealistic for Kyler to throw for 5,000 with that offense. I've seen people do it with less. So, you know, I I, I, I ain't knocking that. Um, all right. So we're going to hurry up and get to my Browns right quick, and then we're going to get up out of here, right? Um, yeah. With these Browns, man, this offense got the number one everything, bro. This offense this year – is going to be unpredictable because we can run unlimited sets and unlimited formations for unlimited reasons. Odell and Jarvis can throw the ball and run the ball. Plus, you add what Chubb and Hunt can do. Um, I foresee uh, – now, the X factors on this team uh, are Odell – because he's recovering from the injury. Um, Kareem Hunt, because we already know what they're going to try to do to Chubb, which is going to leave Hunt open. Uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones is going to probably be a most improved player candidate. Uh, but our special teams is going to really hurt the league. All right? With Anthony Schwartz and Demetrius Felton, I say around like, you know, it could be week seven. It could be after the game with y'all after that, you know, see how Rondell Moore act a fool. You know what I'm saying? Because I do like him. Um, um, but I think we got two versions of him on okay. our roster with Demetrius Felton and Anthony Schwartz. Uh, so I feel like Schwartz could really hit home on the kickoffs and Felton could hit more home on the punt returns. Um, and that'll really be more sensible for this offense, especially if you want to use them in isolated situations on the offense. Uh, because we have Donovan Peoples-Jones and Rashard Higgins, that gives us an opportunity to run more plays, giving Odell or Jarvis the chance to run or throw the ball in option plays. Uh, uh, Kareem Hunt and Chubb going to do what they do. I really expect Baker to jump in accuracy first. I believe his completion uh, accuracy was up to what 62.9 last year. Uh, I believe he can easily jump to 75 or 77 percent this year if the offense thrives like it should or is expected. If it doesn't, in the average amount, he should still be flirting with 70 at least. Anything less than that, unless, you know, circumstances shit happens in the NFL, but we know how it look in consistency, I think would be because you got too many people that all you got to do is quick throw. And then since he's already accurate, deep field plays down the field should be no problem. Uh, the fact that we have the running game that we have will definitely add to the fact that our play action game is one of the best in the league, if not the best in the league. And having a Odell healthy with a Jarvis Landry healthy, whatever the case. So um, I could easily see Chubb doing a 1,000 yards on the ground and flirting with 400 yards and receiving 
um, at minimal uh, 150 yards of receiving just because everybody else going to be doing going crazy or certain people going to be going crazy. Um, but I don't think he's going to be much needed in the pass game, but his screen game being effective is going to really help out. Uh, Kareem Hunt, I could easily see doing, you know, 850, 900. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he flirts with 1,000. But I really more see him doing more of a nine-six type of thing. Um, I, I believe both of them will get double-digit touchdowns this year uh, behind that offensive line. You know, you know what I'm saying. So um, that's easy. Uh, I can even see Baker being able to sneak in two or three, maybe even four quarterback sneaks for touchdowns. Uh, just on the strength of how teams will play us, knowing that we have so many weapons. Um, I could easily, uh, for Jarvis and Odell, I expect nothing less than either one of them to get 1,200 yards receiving. I expect nothing less than eight touchdowns apiece. I actually could see Odell, actually, if he comes back like I think, I can actually see him flirting with 15 touchdowns because I really feel like this offense is just going to excel. There are going to be days where they don't do a lot. But on the days that they get explosive, it's going to be explosive. I feel like this offense could potentially break the record for offensive points in a season. That I don't think that is, you know, out the question. Uh, it just depends on how fast they click and, you know, how they, you know, how much the defense get them the ball back. Um, That's still uh, Peyton Manning's record? Uh no, that's uh the Vikings. Oh, the Vikings. oh, yeah. Randy Moss and Chris Carter, uh, Randall Cunningham, or it might have been Dante Carpenter. It was one of them. But um, uh, also uh, I I I could see uh Donovan Peoples Jones sneaking in there with about seven hundred receiving yards. Um, I could see Hooper and Njoku going for at least five hundred receiving yards apiece. I expect them to be big factors in the red zone, especially from uh from uh, eighteen and uh under. Uh, I can easily see both of them having five plus touchdowns. I don't think that's out of the question, um, especially if Baker can show his accuracy with his gunslinging and his carefulness. Uh, listen, I think Baker should get nothing less than forty five hundred, but five thousand passing yards is definitely what he should be able to get. Not because he's slinging it everywhere, because we should lead the yard in rack. We should lead the league in rack, period. All right, that is the staple. The key is going to be stopping us from getting the ball in the first place. But this is where Baker being smart, being able to audible, being able to pump fake, and then hit on them, on them random, oh, I caught you slipping plays. Because if he can get either one of these weapons the ball, they can break it home. So, Baker, I ain't putting no pressure on you, but I'm saying, bro, year two of this offense, flirting with 50 touchdowns ain't unreasonable, bro. 5,000 passing yards is not unreasonable. 70, 75% completion percentage is not unreasonable, bro. I'm sorry. I don't think it is. Not with 17 games. I just don't think it is. Not with these weapons. And adding the fact that that defense will be a top 10 defense and will be tops in sacks and turnover creation. Okay, I hear it. I hear it. I like it. I like it. I like it. It's bold. My prediction for them, I think the Baltimore Ravens will be the team that regresses this year. Okay. Uh, Decided to say, I think there's too many questions on the offensive line and two inconsistencies with the receiving uh, usage that I could easily see Baltimore going 10 and 7 and missing the playoffs. Well, uh, also J.K. Dobbins hurts a lot as well. You know, J.K. losing J.K. Dobbins for the year on the ACL tear is a big, big loss for their offense. So if you want to point to a certain point of regression, that might be where you look first is they running game. I got them at ten and seven, at least. But I think they gonna go ten and seven. They might go nine and eight. Um, I I don't think that's unreasonable. But I think they gonna go ten and seven. 
I give the Bengals uh, probably six and eleven, maybe even seven and ten. Uh, I I think around like week nine, Chase gonna turn up. Um, it's just gonna take him a little second, but I think before that he gonna make plays. But I think at the end of the season he gonna turn up. I think Tyler Boyd is gonna really be good, but I'm questionable on how T Higgins is gonna be able to be a mismatch because he lacks top end speed. Um, okay. but his possession ability should be nice. I don't know what they're gonna do with the tight ends, but I expect Mixon Mixon to have a bounce back here. He might even run for twelve hundred. Maybe even fourteen hundred if he healthy the whole season. Um, uh, as far as um, the Steelers, I feel like uh, the Steelers actually, I think the Steelers are actually a threat. Um, they do have holes in the secondary that can be exploited, at least by the Browns and anybody with a good receiving core. So in that regard, I could easily see them going twelve and six. Or even, I mean, uh, eleven and six, or even ten and seven. Um, but if they get hot, bro, they can probably win twelve games uh, for sure. Uh, but I, I really just got them at eleven and six. Uh, the Browns, I expect the Browns uh, to finish first in the division. I really don't really expect things, but I, I expect them to finish first in the division, at least twelve wins. But I'm actually giving them thirteen and four, with the possibility of going fourteen and two if they start off hot. But I'm giving them 13 and four. Uh, I think that's enough to at least get second in the conference, um, if not first, depending on how they come out week one. Uh, um, so that's you know that's where I stand with the Browns, uh, with the 53 man roster. This is where Arizona Al sits with the Cardinals uh, for their 53 man cutting projection for the seasons. Uh, and you got any final thoughts, Al, before we get up out of here? Man, I'm just excited to see what the season holds. Uh, I really and truly, bro, like my information is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just a casual fan, bro. You know, I don't try to take this very, very serious and everything like that. You know, I'm just thinking, speaking my thoughts and whatnot. But I really got to put it out there that this is uh, not only a make or break season for Cliff Kingsbury, but this is also I, I, I'm not sure if I remember a season for the Arizona Cardinals that could that is more of a peak or valley situation. And so far as that, this team has the talent to, like, this team has the talent on paper to be one of the top seeds in the NFC. And yet, there's so many questions surrounding the coaching staff, the front office, certain other elements of this team that, as I explained to you, I could very easily see a team that finishes last place in the division and a disaster scenario. And I don't think I've been in a situation for this and for a, for a Cardinals team in a very, very long time. And uh, it's volatile, to say the least. But I'm ready to get the season started, see what we got going, and uh, just see what happens because I'm kind of just ready to ride by the seat of my pants on this one a little bit, you know? Okay. It should be a fun ride, my guy. Um, and correction, I meant to say 14-3 and three possibly. Um, I heard you. I said 14-2, and two, but I meant to say 14-3. and three. Uh, But, Al, it's been a pleasure rapping with you today about these sports. Uh we shall be back again talking basketball. He's going to talk his Phoenix Suns. I'm going to talk my Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, preseason is upcoming. Uh, season starts beginning of October. Uh, so, you know, we, we look, we Labor Day weekend right now, you know. So it's been a pleasure rapping with y'all. Thank you for tuning in to Game Changer Sports Talk. In the street sports cast, uh, in the street sports podcast. Uh, I'm D Trent along with Arizona Al today, man. And we gonna get up with y'all later, man. Much obliged. Thank y'all for having me. Appreciate y'all, man. Have a good one.